So can a salesperson really think like a marketer? On this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I talk with Scott Ingram, and he has started two podcasts. He's written a book. He is rocking it as a salesperson thinking like a marketer. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Scott Ingram. He is a strategic account manager at Relationship One and the host of Inspired Marketing and Sales Success Stories Podcast. So, Scott, thanks for joining me. Glad to be here, John. Thanks for having me. So I want to set the table for listeners. Um, you contacted me as a reader of one of my books, Duct Tape Selling, one of my more recent books, Duct Tape Selling, and just kind of said, hey, John, I want to share stuff that I've gotten out of that book, and I've been putting stuff into play, and um, and so here you are. Now you're on this podcast <laughs> because we're going to talk a little bit about what you have done, and I, and I want to I want to first off suggest that, you know, uh, hopefully there was something in the book that was both inspirational and instructional, but I think that that you deserve all the credit really for taking uh, initiative because I think you know you can read all the books in the world, <laughs> but if you don't take action on them, you know they're not going to help you. So I'll start off with that. Yeah, for sure. And, well, and I, I think it's the the tagline of the book was was really perfect. The tagline is "Think like a marketer and sell like a rock star," and it, it helps that while I've always been in sales roles for the last eight or nine years. Uh, I've been selling to marketers. So, yeah. you know, it, it helps to just get in their heads a little bit. And, and in some ways, this is like an extreme form of empathy that uh, that helps me uh, serve them better just because I, I helps me understand their world a lot better. Yeah. And I, and I, um, I started my career actually in, in sales, you know, out there, you know, banging on doors kind of. And I, I saw this was let me think of when this was <laughs> back in the early 1900s. Um, it seems like, but uh, no, it was like the 1990 or so. Um, and I, you know, I saw that if I did things to help my clients, you know, I was a salesperson, but if I did things to help them in other ways and uh, and and help them with their marketing and help them, you know, do the things they wanted to do, then they were a lot happier to see me. And I, and I think that you know, even before we had all of this you know, these tools and things like podcasts and social media, I think that's always been true. Yeah. Well, and, and the benefit of that is it's, it's not just that, that single customer and, and you've written tons about this stuff as it becomes referrals and references and, and things that lead to future opportunities just because, you know, they, they trust you, they value you, they're willing to share you with their friends. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to pull a couple of things. And again, you suggested some of the things that you are doing. Um, and I want to just kind of sort of tee it up and have you talk about uh, how you have uh, put this in motion. One of the things that I talked about in the book was that, you know, your job may not allow you to write a thousand words, you know, every day of, of incredible, you know, content for a blog, but you can certainly get content from customers and you can curate content. And so uh, tell me a little bit about how you have actually kind of involved your customers in, in you know, telling the story. Yeah, for sure. It, it really is. It's almost an extreme form of curation. You know, I, I think a lot of people, when we think about content curation, what they're doing is resharing articles and tweets and, and other things like that. The approach that I've taken uh, with, the, let's use the Inspired Marketing podcast, 
is really the, the genesis of this is kind of twofold. One, um, and, and from a context perspective, the firm I work with, Relationship One, is a marketing technology services company. And we focus uh, pretty much exclusively on the Oracle Marketing Cloud suite of solutions. So in my background, before joining this firm, uh, I was with Eloqua, uh, which is kind of the, the crown jewel of the, of the Oracle Marketing Cloud. And in the Eloqua days, they had an awards event, and this continues. It's called uh, the Marquees. And it's sort of a brilliant event because what they do is they create a bunch of different categories and customers submit for awards. Uh, and and this is incredible sort of case study capture and just a lot of content goes into this. Well, in the Eloqua days, we would put all of the nomination forms in a Dropbox folder with stories uh, in there that I could take and share mm-hmm. uh, with other prospects and, and clients to help uh, help them understand kind of the value of what's possible with Eloqua. Well, when Eloqua was acquired by Oracle, some of that, the, the marquee still exists. They're still a very, very sought after award, but the stories are kind of missing. And I thought, you know what? We could create a podcast and go out and and really get bring these stories back then give them a little bit more life and so one it creates an opportunity for us to shine a really bright spotlight on our clients and the success they're having and give them a, a platform to share some of those stories and it's also just an incredible uh prospecting and relationship development tool for us because the, the difference and the reaction between, hey, John, you know, I'm Scott, I work here, you know, can I get 30 minutes of your time to tell us why, tell you why we're so great and all that, you know, sort of that typical sales approach versus, hey, John, you're doing some really amazing stuff and we've got this podcast and I would love to highlight uh, those stories and some of the things that you're doing. Um, I can tell you the response rate between those two approaches are, are pretty different. Well, and, you know, listeners of mine know that I've said that, you know, forever, that uh, the, the the dirty, you know, hidden secret of podcasting is that it doesn't matter if anybody listens to it. It's the access that it potentially gives you, as you just talked about. And, you know, I, I joke about that, but, but you're using it in a strategic way that, like you said, you're, you're providing a benefit from so, for somebody before you ever really, you know, at, you even start a sales conversation. Exactly. Exactly right. And, and I mean, the benefit would be there even if nobody ever listened to the podcast, just as as that sort of a of a tool. But now, um, I've got a great relationship with our marketing team, and and we've done a lot of repurposing. We actually took uh, about six of the podcasts that were featuring our clients and turned those into a magazine. So that turned into Inspired Marketing Magazine, that was our main giveaway as one of the the lead sponsors uh, of. Uh, the or uh, let's see what do they call it now the modern marketing experience or the modern customer experience that Oracle just put on a few months ago. Yeah, and I think that that one of the things you're highlighting too, and <clears throat> that I try, you know, and I've gone into a lot of organizations that were strictly built on sales, uh, out there banging on doors, and they uh, were starting to kind of bang their head against things, um, and they had no content. They weren't producing any content, and I, you know, a lot of people think of content as oh, that's just a nice marketing thing to create awareness. But it is an incredible asset for a salesperson today. 
Oh, it, it absolutely is. Because this this is, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would be having a conversation with another client and just be, hey, let me share this with you. Here's a story in the words of the marketer who did it. Yeah. And, I, and I'll always, in those conversations, try to dive into, like, what were the hard parts that you didn't expect? Like, what were those challenges, right? This isn't always roses and everything goes perfectly. There, This is this hard. <laughs> so, you know, showing that this is real, it is possible, and they're... they're there's great outcomes possible when you've got a, a great partner and it's just an amazing way to make those those connections and there's real humans behind it too so if they really enjoyed the story um, it's always an introduction I can make to kind of further that relationship and that story for them well and and I think many people see the the connection to interviewing existing clients but have you gone as far as saying hey here's here's our top five people we'd love to have be clients start a conversation over a podcast have you gone that far yeah absolutely it's it's we're probably i don't know exactly what the numbers are we're probably half and half half our existing clients half our clients we would love to work with and this is we've we've done business um out of the podcast being the a first touch and now it's gotten to a point we're about a year into this between the combination of of how well the podcast is getting known in that Oracle Marketing Cloud community and the magazine, you know, we we put one of our clients on the cover of a magazine. Um, now people are starting to come to us, and and they want to tell their story, and it's it's just an it's an incredible tool. Yeah, so I, I hope people heard that because I mean we're talking names like Eloqua and and you know, Oracle and whatnot, but you can do this in your community <laughs> with the, you know, the local, you know, mid-market CEOs that you're trying to, trying to target. And, and I'm sure you've come across cases where that, that content is, is sort of peer to peer. I mean, that, that you can say, Hey, you know, here's some people that were on our podcast and, and, you know, people are looking at that as saying, Hey, I, you know, I'm in that class. I should be, you know, I should be interviewed by those folks as well. Exactly right. And just the association, right? And, and in our case, I mean, most of our clients are pretty large enterprise clients. So, you know, to be able to say, I mean, all I have to do is point at our previous guest list and, and be able to sort of name drop. Well, we've had Lenovo and Medtronic and United right. Health Group and the Chicago Bears and the list goes on and on. Um, you know, that it, it tr there's so much transference of credibility uh, that happens with that. And it just gets easier and easier once once you've got kind of that baseline laid and you can you can point to that. And and a little tip for listeners, um, if if the target that you are if the, the person you're targeting has a PR firm, go to the PR firm because they'll put them on the show in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, that, that works too. I mean, a lot of times we're just going to the individual and that works fine. But you know what's funny? I had uh, I had one person that told us no, yeah. and then he turned around and referred me to the PR person because they were interested in starting their own podcast. And she turned back around and was like, what do you mean you told them no, you wouldn't do the podcast? <laughs> right. <Exactly. laughs> yeah, great, great tip. So um, you shared a, um, something that you took well, it wasn't like this was that original of an idea, but you took from the book where I kind of have a mini rant about LinkedIn invitations. Um, you know, please, whatever whatever the default is, I'd like to add you to my network or something like that. And, and how incredible it is when you get 12 or 15 of those in one day or something and they all say that. <laughs> um, and how hard could it really be to, to turn around and try to stand out? In fact, that's what I was actually saying is it's not hard. And you uh, you really won up to me though uh, because you uh, you put that on LinkedIn. You want to share that story? 
Yeah, it certainly wasn't my intention. I had the, that exact same experience where it was a Monday afternoon. I had gotten just this series of the exact same message from people I had no idea who they are. Right. And I thought, this this is just nuts. And I just posted a little status update, and I, I copied kind of that comment, the the traditional, the standard right. invite about three times and just said, no. Like, <laughs> if you're not willing to invest 10 seconds in – personalizing the message and letting me know why it makes sense to connect i'm not gonna it's not then incumbent upon me to go figure out is this a a good connection well apparently i struck a giant nerve (laughs) um, because the thing just took off i'm now maybe a little over a week after having posted that thing it's been liked about 2500 times has nearly 500 comments has been viewed over 600,000 times. I mean, it's. I, I think it's just a shared frustration. Oh, we yeah. all have that yeah. experience. Yeah. And to your point, John, it's such, it's such little, little things that make the difference between being average and nobody and being successful. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's 10 seconds of, of effort. And I think that's true in so, so many ways um, and totally applicable to marketing. Because it's just that little bit of, of personalization and showing like, I get it, you're you're a human, you're real, you're you're different than the next person that's going to get this message. Yeah, and I think that one of the downsides, uh, while there are many, to social media is that it's kind of taught people this mass approach, I think, and or, or at least it's made it easy to have that mass approach. And so many salespeople, so many marketers, so many business owners, you know, they only need 10 or 12 clients. Why are we focusing on the 2 million people that are in this group? Um, and, and so uh, to your point, pick out 10 and write them a really incredible message <laughs> to connect as opposed to, you know, just spamming thousands. Yeah. Well, and again, if, if you can completely differentiate yourself in 10 seconds, imagine what's possible in 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So uh, you also wrote a book. So now I think that was probably prior to you reading Duct Tape Selling, but uh, that has been uh, – that's certainly on the path to uh, thinking like a marketer. Well, a- absolutely. And and your book came out as I was in kind of the, the writing process of that. And yet again, that is another example of sort of extreme curation because rather than writing a book, I had the idea. And what was behind it was – as I look at successful salespeople, um, and, and that's another reason why I started my Sales Success Stories podcast, is I, I wanted to really get in and understand what are the best of the best doing in the real world today. And one of the things that I have seen pretty consistently through my career is the playbook. There's no recipe. Like the people's approaches are all over the place. But there is some um, – level of consistency in the people that are at the top oftentimes have been in the same company, in the same industry, in the same territory for quite some time. And so they benefit from the referrals and they're well known and they have that level of trust and credibility. So it just kind of gets easier for them. And I was in a a new role with a new company and I thought, how can I fast track that process? And I thought, you know, the ultimate thing would be to write a book because now I can become known. It creates opportunities for me to speak in in a particular industry. And I, I had kind of outlined the book and was thinking about this and then something clicked. I was, I was talking with some friends of mine and I was able to basically take that outline of chapters and just put a name next to every one. So I ended up having 12 co-authors of this book. It took me, and this was 
that part-time, after hours, didn't even take much time. From concept to published book, it took me six months. Mm. Because each of those co-authors, I asked them to write a chapter, and there was there was some cohesiveness in the way that one story led to the next. So the work that I did really wasn't that much, and then right out of the gate, I've got 12 other people who have a shared vested interest uh, in sharing this book. And no, again, just like the podcast, nobody says no to that, I think, because everybody wants to write a book, but that's really hard. And if you can create an easy way for them to do that – uh, it it becomes that much easier. And it was really incredible. Actually, the only person where it didn't quite work out, I reached out to Joe Polizzi, who mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know what? I've just got too many other obligations. I can't do this. But you know what? He ended up writing the, the blurb that went on the on the cover or the back cover. So it was still, even though he didn't do it, uh, it was still a, a, an amazing beginning of a relationship that I wouldn't have today without that effort. So a lot of organ- – increasing number of organizations, let me put it that way, are kind of melding sales and marketing. But there's certain, certainly still a lot of siloed, you know, departmentalized organizations that in some ways, you know, as I went out and spoke to sales groups um, about the content in this book, I still, I'd, I'd have people come up and say, you know, my, my boss wouldn't let me do any of this stuff. I don't have any extra time. All they care about is how many dials or how many this that that I did. So how, what do you say to people that are saying, okay, this all sounds good, but you know, the reality is we don't have the culture. Yeah, it, it, it's tough. You know, I think there's, there's two things. One, you've got to be you've got to be doing well before you get there because this isn't a this isn't a short-term play right, right? Mm-hmm. doing doing this stuff is not going to result in a sale tomorrow so if you're behind your number now's not the right time to start this you really kind of have to get ahead of the eight ball a little bit um and just kind of figure out where where does it fit? What can you do? Ideally, you're working for an organization that gets it and is encouraging of it and will support you in that. And, and that's where I am today. And, and to be really honest, it's kind of why I made the move to Relationship One because they completely understood my approach and the value that that brings and they really embrace it and, and support it and, and amplify it. And and that's really the beauty. When you're not in one of those places, it's it, it's tough. And I think, you know, one of the things that is becoming a consistent theme from my sales podcast is if you don't absolutely with your heart and soul believe in what you're selling, you're just not going to reach the level of success that you probably really want. Um, and a lot of times, if if you're not in an environment that you feel like that's not possible, that's contributing to that feeling and, and belief in the company, and, you know, gosh, the, the job market's pretty good right now. You know, it, it might be time to take a hard look and, and think about where do you really want to go in your future? Where are you going to have the most success uh, long, long term. And I, I absolutely am a huge believer in building this kind of a platform for yourself, building a a true personal brand that adds value. The the opportunities and the number of doors that open to you are absolutely incredible, not just, you know, your immediate sales and sales pipeline and opportunities. Yeah. And I think that that for a lot of people that are thinking, well, gosh, I, you know, I don't have the time. This takes energy. I mean, you are what you just talked about is building an asset, investing in yourself. And if that means, you know, burning the midnight oil for a year or something, you know, you, you may have 
created something that will bring you three and four times you know where you are today um, if if you're willing to make that investment. And I think that's probably how you have to look at it. Yeah, and, and you have to find what's manageable. I mean, in, in duct tape selling, you you push really, really hard and encourage people to write. And I've written before, but it's not – I don't feel like it's my forte. Yeah. But the, the podcast for me was just a great thing, and it's it's a biweekly show. So we do one episode every two weeks. They're, they're short like yours. They're 20 or 30 minutes, and then I've got a great um, production company called Podfly that does all of the editing work and everything after the fact. So really, it takes me – I don't know, in the course of a given month, maybe three hours between scheduling prep and then actually doing the interviews and then everything else just takes care of itself. I mean, so you just you just have to kind of figure out, like, what is your strength? Where can you apply that to, you know, the the best effort? And then what can you what's the level of uh, output that you can commit to consistently because the the consistency is a huge huge piece of this. Yeah, and I, I want to uh, jump on that point a little bit. Um, I you know I believe that writing is you know there are many many benefits, but at what you just said, if if you think oh John said I should write, so I guess I will. I mean if that that's going to be the attitude, you'll never be good at it. You'll never you know put put your heart into it. And I you know I see marketers a lot of times that. They hate Facebook. Okay, fine. You know, Facebook might not. If if you hate it, you're not going to spend the right time there. But I love Instagram. Okay, then let's let's embrace Instagram. I mean, I think it. You do have to make some choices based on where you know where there is some passion because that's the only way you're going to keep at it. Sure. Well, and and again, at the end of the day, the outcome we we've had all of these episodes transcribed. So the first <laughs> year of episodes, that's over a hundred thousand right. words of content, yep. and the beauty of that is it's in the language and the words of our customers, right? It's not in our guess yeah. at what the marketing what the market is going to be interested in. This is what real marketers in the real world who are being successful are saying and doing. Yeah, and and obviously you bring up another brilliant point. There's so many ways you can repurpose this. I'm I'm guessing, I mean, I could see 30 or 40 slides for a presentation just just talking about the key points that came out of, you know, some of these customer interviews. So, Scott, tell me uh, where people can find out more about Relationship One and uh, maybe even making rain with events. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, RelationshipOne.com is the is the company's website. You can find more about me and some of uh, the other things that I'm working on on TopOne.fm. That's where the, the sales podcast lives. And for God's sake, if you send me an invite on LinkedIn, please tell me <laughs> that you heard me on John's show because otherwise it's just going to get ignored. <laughs> awesome. So, Scott, this was great. I appreciate uh, this. Is, this is sort of my own use, use case study, I suppose, right? Um, so I, I appreciate you you suggesting it and uh, hopefully we can uh, catch up with you out there on the road i look forward to it thanks john hey thanks for listening to this episode of the duct tape marketing podcast i wonder if you could do me a favor could you leave an honest review on itunes your ratings and reviews really help and i promise i read each and every one thanks